Welcome back, Dave Kieran. Where have I been? Have I been on vacation? I don't feel like I've been on vacation. I'm still in my home in COVID times. Wow. <laughs> I inspire to take this show on the road, Glory. I think we should take this show on the road. I think we should go somewhere nice and warm and take this show on the road post COVID. <laughs> please, please, for sure. Do you remember Jack Smith, Dave? What a, a dynamite conversation. And, and wow, and the challenges that Indigenous people face. Wow, and the services that are not available. Hey, yeah, is Jack back with us? Yeah, Jack is back um, to talk about the services that are available for Indigenous or what is missing. So I think that it's, uh, we can continue our discussion with Jack Smith about the services for Indigenous entrepreneurs. Welcome, Jack. That is another episode of Innovation Fuel. Yes, Jack, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be back. We were had a discussion about entrepreneur ecosystem for reserved areas and for indigenous people. Discuss a lot about the services as well that can be available, but we haven't go through that one. So what is available for indigenous entrepreneurs in reserve area? What kind of services they have access? Because as you said, there is a rich history, there is a potential there, there is not just a potential of the people that want to do it, but also resources there, but how they can access to those services. There are specific government programs, there are some government agencies that provide knowledge around starting up businesses, financial literacy, and so on. These are available to individuals, they're available to First Nations. Part of the access issue with them may have to do with sort of the learning curve that you face when you need to access programs and you go through, for example, government programs. Well, how do I fill out this form to access the support I'm looking for to do an economic development plan or a comprehensive community plan or to even do feasibility study? How do I fill out the forms and do things like that? Sometimes years you have communities where you have limited broadband internet capability, and so you have limited time on, on that, and you also have weak signals. And, and, you know, it just gets to be a prolonged process. So there's timing, there's issues around technology, but there are all the programs pretty much that are available to Canadians generally as well. Uh, for people to access. So those are there, along with specific First Nation or Indigenous or other programs that they can access. And it takes a fair bit of research, I think. Uh, it takes some expertise and or maybe some support in sort of drilling down and finding what kind of agency or what kind of program would best support what you're looking for. If you're an, an entrepreneur, for example, who wants to start a small business, where do you go for that? You can look through the website. Organizations like the Canadian Can Do, for example, the Council for the Advancement of Native Development Officers, uh, which I've been involved with uh, off and on over the years. You are saying that their services are there, but availability through the technology is one issue because mean they don't have the access to the better internet so this accessing this these are the services are available but accessing from reserved area is kind of difficult that's a bit cumbersome i often don't want to even look at the website because it takes so long but still we have to do it and the feedback you get often 
be specifically what you're looking for, but you have to keep on trying. I'm thinking of individuals who are looking for support or even the First Nation Development Officer who's looking for, say, support from um, Indigenous Services Canada with a particular economic development program or so on or proposal. And then there's often a limited capacity within governments and agencies as well. What I can see, for example, Canadian Council of Aboriginal Business, they have many, many services for growth, for supply chain, for operation, for marketing, for HRs, for different even principle of business. They have many programs, but most of the community of Indigenous people, are they aware of these services? One of the basic things that I find very useful within community is, is if you have somebody with who's able to do that research and then help the community members or, or help the economic development officer to, um, to maneuver those websites. But also, I do know, for example, that CanDo, and I'm not speaking on behalf of CanDo, but I know they have a limited personnel within-house, although they provide a lot of links to other agencies for finance, for example, and there's the Aboriginal Finance Officers Association. There's different groups who would be of great assistance in assisting individuals, but I find a lot of the agencies are more like networking agencies. And then when you when you get down to the individuals themselves who you want to contact and talk to, you know, the, the availability is so small that the capacity is there, although everything is well-intentioned. Every day I get from CanDo two or three emails about, you know, podcasts that's available and then it's access to a consultant or whatever, right? So the networking is great. It's good. And I think it's getting better as we go. But I think there is opportunity really believe there's opportunity for two things. One is for to build a community of entrepreneurs within Canada and even internationally, but I'll focus on, I'll stay within Canada for now, through sharing experiences, business startup experiences, uh, access to finance, access to marketing expertise. How do you market you know, your products and services. And and this would be not just useful for the Indigenous people, but also for the communities that they live in and also for, you know, agencies. And I dare say that it would also be pretty useful to provincial and federal and local governments who want to access up Indigenous services generally in Canada. So, so Jack, would you say there's equal infrastructure support throughout every community in Canada? Or is this limited to some communities? Like, if you say, for example, uh, Wi-Fi access to even access these some of these elements, is it is it the same across everywhere? No, it's not the same issue everywhere. I think you have 600, 700 communities within Canada. That's a big issue for many of the communities, particularly in the northern parts of Canada. For me on Vancouver Island, communities I work with, uh, internet is not a, an issue. It's there. Other types of things become issues like access to adequate hydro to, to do some of the projects you want to do. They're more capital kind of base issues, access to water and sewer, proper size water pipes, things like that. Other kinds of infrastructure that cost money, which potentially could add considerable cost to doing business, right? So, yeah, those things. The other, the other thing that I was thinking of in terms of, you know, that great opportunity that, that is out there for individuals to come together and provide something. But I think there's also opportunities to build, to complement formal training that you might get at a, a trade school or DCIT, uh, all the major institutions in the province that provide business training to complement that the kind of formal training that you usually get in those 
you know, like I got with the executive MBA, that sort of thing. I, I think there's like within the community, if you're assisted by having good access to internet and that, it's a lot more feasible, but you, you can create situations where individuals receive strong mentorship, whether it be, you know, in marketing or in financing your enterprise, when to pivot, how to assess, how to, how, you know, all those things that, uh, that you need to do when you're in business and, and those things that you need to say, well, what's the milestone that we reached? What kind of metrics are we going to use here? And how, how are those going to inform our decision, right? How's our management, our operations? How's everything? And, and I think that's really important because people don't think in those terms, right? We think I was a young entrepreneur at one time and I really liked what I was doing. But I wasn't making any money at it. And I was too stubborn to leave it. So at one time, I actually went into bankruptcy as a result of a lack of sort of hands-on or, <laughs> you know, the things weren't selling. And I wasn't a good enough salesman, I guess, to get the product and service out there. So that happened to me. And what, what did I learn from that? Well, I learned that, you know what, I'm, i got to learn to be flexible. I have to learn to roll with the punches. I have to take an accounting course or a bookkeeping course. Whatever. It's the educational piece that could be there, whether it's University of Canada West or somebody who could work with individuals who are wanting to create a mentorship type environment where they could actually do on the job stuff. I mean, like even within economic development corporations, uh, you could do with lots of room for innovation and a ton of opportunities. You just have to kind of like, you know, brainstorm them. What are they? What the, what does the individuals want to do? Because, because I found with more information, people have more choices. These are ways by adding facts and adding more information, people can take that and run with it. And what I had an idea to do this business. I didn't know how to get it off the ground, but now I have some idea. By creating formal mentorship hubs, whatever, and also by developing some sort of platform where individuals and organizations from across Canada can get together and take ownership of the information that they have. So, Jack, you're almost talking about a lack of, you know, incubation opportunities. Maybe there's an opportunity for an incubation. Um, and then I think the next story that we want to talk about is as, as we move from that incubation stage and we've got a successful MVP or minimal viable product, how do we scale it up and what do we need to scale it up and do we have the right infrastructure in place to move that into an accelerator? Accelerator mode in order to scale it up. Well, I, I don't know that that an accelerated mode would be. I just think everything moves so slowly. I think, think some things that are happening that are good is that there is getting to be more and more opportunities of access to finance, and, and finance goes a long way. But it has to be strategic, and uh, choices have to be made about where's the best place to put that. There's available funds, and I think that takes support. And I think that's where, you know, incubators with access to strategic expertise helps move, will help move things along. Can't be hit and miss like when I first started out in business just because I thought I had a good product or a service or a good idea. It has to be strategic and developed with some sort of plan in mind. So we have a lot of lab accelerators, a lot of services in big cities. But do we have any kind of lab or youth indigenous that they want to gain the technology or digital skills, or they have some idea in digital, for example, digital ideas or technology ideas, is there any place in their own community they can go and help them on this technology or innovative ideas or no, they have to come to big cities? 
I would say in, in most communities, there's, there's a place that people can go, not so much place for like access to business expertise or, you know, entrepreneurship program or any kind of uh, hands-on mentoring, even. It's very limited. And it's limited by usually by the capacity of the First Nation to uh, to provide that. That's the main thing. And sometimes there's there's a critical mass situation, right? I mean, you don't unless you amalgamate or join with a number of other communities to set that up. Then you then you can get that in you know whether it's through tribal council that might set that up or friendship center that might set that up. But on in community itself, that, that often isn't there unless you specifically create some of those programs like we did for natural resources. We could do that for business. I think that would be a great thing to do considering the way things are moving in the world. It used to be an issue. Here's some progress. It used to be an issue of people not having computers. So whenever you got new computers at your office or from an agency or whatever, you gave them to the community help people learn to use that. And that's a good starting point, actually. Uh, so, But today, there's people have computers. People have phones that are computers, in essence. And, and so access that way is great, or is better than we've ever had. You know, and you make some really good points here, Jack, about incubation elements. Like, there is some tools there, but there seems to be still a lack of additional tools that are more modernized, that are moving into this new technology world, and a lack of mentorship there to support that incubation to make sure like when we look here at the city for an example you know if i want to develop something there's maker spaces for me to go like there's places for me to go out into the different types around the community and be able to build an idea or concept or also there's a t there's also all these mentors around that, that that i can tap into through different incubation centers in order for me to to challenge an idea figure out if an idea is going to work in the market right i mean you're comfortable doing that right you know, the thing we might talk about in the future is, you know, how comfortable are people leaving the community or going outside the community to get that support, right? And how comfortable are they to express their ideas, right? Without getting shot down or whatever. And having the confidence takes a little bit of training. I mean, lots of people in our country and around the world, I guess, uh, would be, don't have the confidence to go and find that expertise. I think the way to fast track it is to go into the community, be with the individuals in the places that they're comfortable and to do hands-on work. That's been my experience is whether it's been in negotiations and bringing people along in terms of managing files for different projects. It's all hands-on stuff. They didn't need, you know, if they had grade 12 or maybe a college degree or whatever, didn't need much more than that in the expertise. They knew how to learn. That's great. The only thing is we have to assist more people get to that point where they're saying willing to take that next step. And I think that would that would be a, a really great legacy for any individual such as myself or person who's had the opportunity to be out there and gain some skills and knowledge. And then to universities and institutions such as yours to go out to the communities and provide that or help or work with communities to establish that. And again, we have, you know, the cultural differences all across the country and working with that component. How do you do that? I think in the general business sense, whenever you do business now, you have to consider that. So if I can understand in the whole thing, you were saying that there is a lot of services, there's a lot of infrastructures. There's two things missing is one of them is technology. Second, then it's an identity and the reserve area and help them there rather than ask them to come to other places. 
and they feel more comfortable and confident in their own community. I would say that going far away, and even for some folks like on Vancouver Island, going to Vancouver is far away. But within Central Island or South Island or North Island, folks are comfortable to travel. So, And we have opportunities at different locations for that to to get access to to those things. I don't think supports are necessarily well established. And it takes beyond just having some infrastructure to get out there and know what it is and do the research. But it also costs just to travel. But I think, Jack, it takes a starting element. And I think what we're really starting to understand here is to start with something like a a solid incubation system where you have the mentor support, where you have all the right technology, all the right pieces. And then, as you said, from friendship circles and other areas, then we can start expanding it out to other Indigenous communities and say, hey, we know this. We're an expertise in this. You guys have an expertise in this. Can we co-collaborate and create something together and then look towards that accelerator model of how do I take these ideas and accelerate them so they get you know faster traction in the market because we know that technology is rapidly changing you know it's happening so fast and we all need to be moving fast and 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 moving with this agility and we need to be able to support these communities and make sure they can move fast and rapidly to meet those needs Right. So that's joining the how-to with the ideas, basically, and the, some of the traditional concepts of things and so on. But then you're exactly right. I mean, this is the thing I experience is, is uh, you take a year off something and the technology has gone so fast and the information, the data has, has accumulated so quickly where that's where I think, you know, joining and being in a position to create that infrastructure so that you know, out of that incubator, you go to that accelerated mode where you start talking to others across the country of similar experiences and, and that those experiences are successful or not and, and and moving forward from that, but building the database further from that. And I think that's one of the things that organizations like CanDo and some others really aspire to. They recognize the lack of data upon which to create better programming and services for entrepreneurs and First Nations. There is a lot of challenges. So what challenge do you think that our student can solve for you? I think a, a challenge, a good challenge for the audience would be, I'm assuming people come from a variety of backgrounds who listen to the podcast and they have uh, experience internationally or nationally or even locally and maybe specifically with incubator and hands-on approaches to developing successful entrepreneurship and growing those, right, scaling them by adding individuals and sharing the ownership of those kinds of things. Part of it goes to, if I could receive recommendations about how to deal with the issues that we identified, you know, this segment, what are some good ideas or good references and why? Why would they be specifically applicable to the kind of things we outlined? Because many things that we talked about are kind of issues that entrepreneurs experience generally. We have a situation here we're not coming from a level playing field. We're, we're often coming out of a system. I'm going to just label as, you know, we come out of a culture of dependence and we're moving quickly to another level. But we don't want technology and, you know, all everything out there to outpace us. So how can we develop that and stay without losing any more ground? 
to that. So that would be my challenge to anyone listening to today. I am on board. I think this is a great idea. Yes, let's figure out how we can help in that space and how do we bring that incubation, uh, successful incubation model with the right mentors, with the right technology, and then and then quickly figure out how do we move that to an acceleration model? Because yeah, like we do not want to lose any more ground. We want to get more and more of different communities around to have the opportunity to bring those ideas to market and be able to scale them up. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Field. Thank you.